This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 300 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm Chad Dotson. With me this week, Chris Garber, author of The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. Chris, glad to have you on the podcast again, man. Uh, glad to be here. Now, that's a big round number, 300, right? It's very rotund. It is a it's sort of the Jonathan Broxton of podcast numbers, maybe. Would you say that? Uh, no, I would not. And the reason I would not say that is because Bro- Jonathan Broxton does not weigh 300 pounds. Actually, he does, doesn't he? He does now. Uh, listed at, he's listed at 285 on baseball reference, which is a lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can decide if it's Jonathan Broxton or Jumbo Diaz, and I went with Broxton. Well, so in honor of the 300th podcast, I did a little research on things such as Jumbo Diaz's listed weight. And other things that have to do with the number 300. You know, it's a big number in baseball, 300 wins, of course. But it's also a good counting number for home runs. At one, once upon a time, it was a big number for home runs, right. saves, things like that. So I thought I'd look how many Reds have hit the number 300 in in that kind of category. Before we go in uh, too deep into that, I've got to ask you one question since you've done this research. Has any Red in history, I'm sure someone has but i can't think of anyone that it might have been has anyone actually ever hit 300 or above for the reds uh barry larkin oh i think 300 one time oh wow well no wonder he's a hall of famer that's right that's right all right so you cleared that one up for me what else you got so uh there have been three players in major league history with a listed body weight of over 300 pounds and one of whom was a cincinnati red jumbo diaz so he's the only red in the 300 club of pounds anyway. You know, that was preordained when his parents named him Jumbo, I think. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because that's how it works. <laughs> that's exactly how it works. Um so only three people. That's actually surprises oh, only me a little three. bit. Three. Yeah. I was I was kind of surprised too. But like I th- I think I think there's a bit of a um uh, gamesmanship going on right. there or, or pride salvation or something when guys like Broxton are listed at two eighty five. Yeah, everybody like, like like in a basketball program, everybody's listed at, you know. Six uh, eleven when they're six seven or something, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what else you got? So three hundred wins. There have been twenty four players in uh, major league history to have accrued three hundred wins as a starting pitcher. Two uh, wore Cincinnati red leg uniforms at one point in their career. Only twenty four. For some reason, to me, it seems like there would be more. But I guess you know three hundred wins is a lot, and it's been a while well, since we've really had any. Yeah. I mean, I guess Cy Young, he hogged up a lot of those wins, so it wasn't really fair for anybody else. (laughs) No one else could get some of those wins. Yeah. So So, Tom Seaver mm -hmm. is the easy one on this scoreboard stomper. He had 75 wins as a red. But who is the other? I'm going to have to guess it was... this This is an educated guess. Was it Lisa Alberto? Close. Close? Close. Yeah, close. Lisa Verto 
uh, had how many wins as a red? I, I want you to look this up right now. This is scintillating radio. Luis Alberto Bonilla had one career win as a red. <laughs> what? We won. He did have three as a Texas Ranger. So he is only 10 wins as a red behind this other gentleman who is a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Does he have a cool nickname? He does, and he has a Twitter account, oh. despite despite uh, dying in 1897. So it's got to be uh, Old Hoss, right? It is Old Hoss himself, Old Hoss Radburn, who ended his illustrious playing career uh, at age 36 with the 1891 Reds, where he went 11 and 13. But that was, uh, so he did get his 300th win as a Red. Outstanding. He did. Yeah. So they, that's the only Red in history to collect his 300th win while a member of the Reds, because I know Seifer was uh, with the White Sox, I think, when he collected his right. 300th. So, wow. So it, that's pretty cool. Yeah, sure. That's I'm great. Sure. I don't know if it was a big deal in 1891 or not, but. Probably not, because he looked around and was like, Cy Young already had 460 at that point. Yeah. Like, what? I'll never catch <laughs> yeah. that guy. So Yeah, so Old old Hoss is a good follow, by the way, on Twitter. Absolutely. If you Absolutely. like your uh, anti-Irish slurs. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold, what? what? Hold on. I don't know. He's, he has some <laughs> He has some peculiar peculiar uh, 18th or uh, uh, 19th century. Uh, 19th tweets. century bigotry. Yeah. Yeah, you that's. Need. Uh, he tweets as if he were actually the old old hoss. Yeah, I, yeah, I know, it is, yeah, it is the old old hoss, as far as I know. So, uh, what other categories we want to talk about really quickly? Since uh, real we're quick, celebrating we can the hit on saves. Three hundred saves. There have been thirty uh, pitchers in Major League history to uh, reach three hundred saves, and let's see, one, two, three, four. There have been eight of them pitched for the Reds, and two others. Notably, did not pitch for the Reds, but were members of the Reds organization. And one of those ones that did pitch for the Reds didn't actually get a save for the Reds, right? Yeah, it's correct. weird. It's weird. He pitched quite a bit, but was not a closer uh, yet when he was on the Reds. Now, the, the easy one here, the one that I would guess right off the top. Well, there are two that I think I would guess off the top, because I, number one would be John Franco. Uh, he's got to be on that list. John Franco is on that list, and he is has the second most saves in Cincinnati Reds history. The other one I would have guessed would have been uh, Lee Smith. Yeah, and I, I, that's one I would have guessed, too. I would have remembered that Lee Smith uh, – I, I actually, I probably would not have been positive he got a save as a Red. Right, but I remember I know he was he a Red. Was on the club for a while, yeah. And so, go ahead. I was going to say, and a Hall of Famer now. and uh, Yes. Congrats, and Lee Smith. Well, really, really big pants, as I recall. <laughs> big, big, big pants. Um, now, the, the one – I should have gotten it. I should have known who this was, but the, the one who got the most saves for the Reds that's on that 300-save club – I would not have guessed it if I were. He wouldn't have been one of my top five guesses. So, tell us who that is. Uh, Danny Graves. Oh wait a minute, I missed Danny Graves. You're right. I would have probably guessed Danny Graves. Oh. I'm sorry, I missed the number two guy. I guess. Wait, I'm sorry. No, I'm wrong on that. I had Danny Graves on my notes, but that's only to tell you that Danny Graves is the Reds' all-time save leader. He oh, did okay. not get 300 total. Whew, 182 as a Red, and you can add zero from his other major league teams. So that's it for Danny. Danny Graves also, this is not as well known as saves, but he also 182 times flipped off fans in the, at, or at uh, I guess, Synergy Field. Yeah, and the, the 181st time is really what, what really did it in for that, Danny. That was, the, that was the one, yeah. so He was at Reds Fest last weekend. Oh, did you, uh, did you talk to him? 
I did not talk to Danny Graves. You didn't seek out Danny Graves' autograph? I did not. I did see uh, Sam LeCure hanging out by the uh, the memorabilia area, just chatting with some people, but I didn't bother him. And I saw Todd Benzinger uh, hanging out watching kids hit wiffle balls. Oh, he was probably admiring their swing uh, since it likely was better than his. So I, 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 he's just standing there with like a Jersey with his name on the back. And my son's like, what's, you know, cause he, uh, the thing I didn't know, Todd Bindler is not a real tall dude for a guy that played first base in the majors. I mean, yeah. uh, he's definitely under six feet tall. And, and, uh, I told my son, I'm like, yeah, that guy played on the reds. He's like, you serious? You sure? <laughs> I'm almost as tall as him. Yeah. He's like, he's just leaning up against a wall, watching kids hit wiffle ball. <laughs> I said, Hey, he caught the last out of the world series. And he's just, he's just hanging out. Just yeah, watching some wiffle ball. Ah, uh, Reds Fest. It's a, your son had a good time, though, right? He had a great time. He got good. Tucker Barnhart's autograph and Jesse Winker's autograph, and he got to see Joey Votto in, in real life, and we, we got to shake Jim Day's hand. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I saw that picture. That was outstanding. It was pretty pretty great. All right, so back to the saves. The guy who yeah. has uh, who has the most, uh, other than Graves, on that list that you gave me, but I wouldn't have guessed Coco Cordero. I don't know why in my head I wouldn't have thought of him as being a 300-save guy, but he, you know, Cordero had a good career and was good with the Reds. Yeah, you know, he had a, a, almost 120 when he came to the Reds, and then he got 150 for the Reds, and then he he was the closer for the Brewers for a couple more years and and got another uh, 60. So good for him. So list uh, off the rest of them for us. Yeah, the other guys on the list are uh, Randy Myers. Mm-hmm. Makes uh, sense. Todd Jones got a save for the Reds once. Don't remember that. Jeff Montgomery was a, a good reliever as a younger player for the Reds, but never got a save and went on to get 300-plus elsewhere. Primarily with the, the Royals, I believe. Yeah. We have Jeff Reardon, who somehow got eight saves for a Red for the Reds, which I don't remember happening. I remember him briefly playing for the Reds, but great reliever for the uh, uh, Montreal oh, Expos. Expos. Yeah. Oh. And then uh, the two guys who were kind of the asterisk guys, Trevor Hoffman, who was, of course, a Reds minor league uh Farmhand, it was taken in the expansion draft back in 1990 for the 1993 expansion, right? Yeah. And then uh, John Wetland, who was a a red for what a few days in the off season, uh, probably in '93, something like that. Yeah, just something very like briefly. That. Yeah. In route, he and another guy we'll talk about real quickly um, in a little bit passed through on their way from LA to uh, Chicago White Sox. Yep. That was 90, 99, I guess. Yeah, has it been that long ago? God. Yeah, because that was that was part of the Mike Cameron deal. Oh, that's right. Mike Cameron. Right? No, no, no. I'm mixing them up. I'm mixing them up. No, Mike Cameron Wetland, went to the Mariners. Wetland's well, way earlier. You're right. Wetland would have been like the Tim Leary deal or something like okay, that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cameron Wetland, from the White Sox to the Reds, one year with the Reds <laughs> into the Mariners. Okay, yeah. That's how the Reds got Willie Green in 1991. The immortal. Ah, Willie Green. Ruskin. <laughs> and uh, World Series manager Dave Martinez. Oh, outstanding, yes. Boy, that's exciting. Yeah, sorry. So uh, <laughs> we can move on quickly to the home run club. And there are 148 major leaguers with 300-plus home runs. And one, two, three, four, five. Six. He's counting. 18 of them. Played for the Cincinnati Reds. 18 of them. Now, some of these are going to be obvious to a lot of people, I think. Yep. Some of the obvious ones, obviously, Johnny Bench got 389 as a Red. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., Frank Robinson, the great Adam Dunn, Hall of Famer Tony Perez, 
those are kind of the, some of the easy ones. I think the, the fourth most home runs hit by a guy who was on the Cincinnati Reds, though, is, is the guy I was alluding to, is Paul Konerko. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's crazy. Paul Konerko had that many home runs. He only had three in his kind of half season with the Reds, but uh, he's way up there. The next guy, his, his place on this list absolutely blows my mind. And that's Edwin Encarnacion. Oh, Edwin, my guy. He had 71 as a red. Yeah, and he is sitting currently at 414 home runs in his career. Really? Amazing. There was a time in my life when somebody hit their 400th home run, and it was like huge news all around the country, you know? Yeah, well, Encarnacion did it um, last year, and we never even noticed. I love that one. He was my favorite player. One of my not favorite players is next on the list, and that's Jim Edmonds, who had three home runs uh, for the Reds and and many more elsewhere for other other teams. Uh, one year Reds wonder Greg Vaughn. Yeah, forty five in that one year. Then you've got two guys who hit a ton for the Reds: Lee May, George Foster, uh, and even Dave Parker is on the list as a three hundred club. Then a couple, uh, Ron Gant, a one-year red, mm-hmm. Scott Rowland, who had a great long career. Then a guy who I would not have put him at 233 reds home runs, but it's Jay Bruce. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I would not either. I'm going to skip the next guy because no Please. one knows he's on this list. Oh. Uh, then we got Reggie Smith. I'm sorry, Reggie Sanders, 125 for the reds and over 300. Uh, Hall of Famer Al Simmons accrued 300-plus home runs. And played for the Reds at the very, very end of his career during the war, but did not. Uh, I take that back. He was for the he was on the Reds in '39, but he didn't hit any home runs. He only played uh, nine games, so that's kind of a cheat. And then you have the immortal Ruben Sierra. Oh my goodness! Who only hit? I would have been surprised if you told me he only hit two home runs as a Red. I feel like he was on the team for. A while, but it really wasn't. It was really only about a month. I would have been surprised if you told me he hit as many as two. He yeah, I guess really so. bad. That he was uh, pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, good career, but uh, as a but red, he went on. Yeah, but he went on to play like another ten years after he was really bad for the Reds. I know, right? Yeah. So, so anyway, in twenty in twenty twenty, somebody going to join that list? We hope. Uh, hope. Hopefully, Joey Votto will hit sixteen home runs this year and join the. Uh, Join Johnny Bench as the and Frank Robinson as the only players to hit 300 as a Red. That's a pretty good list. Yeah, I'd take it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, two more. Let's go for doubles and stolen bases. And then uh, we'll get so into the lots and lots games. of guys hit hit 300 doubles, but uh, about nine of them hit them as a Red. And these are these are the inner circle of the Reds Hall of Fame, as far as I'm concerned, as far as hitters. Pete Rose, Barry Larkin, Joey Votto, Dave Concepcion. Johnny Bench, Veda Penson, Tony Perez, Frank Robinson, Brandon Phillips, and Bid McPhee. It's a pretty good group right there. All yeah. the Reds Hall of Famers, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got seven Reds stole 300 bases as a Red. Uh, Bid McPhee, Joe Morgan, Barry Larkin, Hugh Nickel, Arlie Latham, who I have never heard of before, Dave Concepcion, and Bob Besher, who I believe... Does he still hold the single season record for red stolen bases? I think he might. He also had a really horrific uh, batting average, if I recall. Um, you know, you're literally a Reds historian. You're a published Reds historian, and you <laughs> are right. going to admit here publicly that you don't know who Arlie Latham is. Do you? 
yes, as far as you know. <laughs> Arlie. <laughs> Arlie was, you know, I, uh, time, time someone, one writer said time begins on opening day. In my opinion, time begins in 1901, as far as baseball is concerned. There you go. I, just can't engage. <laughs> okay. That was some fun. You know, this is the 300th episode. I thank you all so much for being with us for 300 episodes. We wanted to have a little bit of fun off the top here and just, uh, goof around a little bit, but, uh, we've got some real news and I know that's why you're all really here today. So I hope you haven't tuned out just yet because the winter meeting has just concluded in San Diego and there's lots of things to talk about, but not a lot to be excited about necessarily. If you're a Cincinnati Reds fan, we'll get into ins and outs of all that. The Reds did actually acquire a player, this week, and that was Mark Payton, selected in the Rule 5 draft. And Payton is a 27-year-old. He was with Oakland's organization. 5'8", hit 334, 400 on-base percentage, 30 home runs for AAA Las Vegas. Now, everybody had 30 home runs in that league this year. But still, eye-popping numbers. He's a bench player, probably a left-handed hitter. You know, 26-man rosters, maybe they can keep him on the roster. I don't know, but the Reds did select a player in the Rule 5 draft and did not lose anyone in the Major League portion of the Rule 5 draft. I know you're a big fan of Mark Payton. You've been following him for years. Do you have any other comments about Mark Payton? <laughs> uh, you know, i just be real careful looking at that 30 home runs because he had 32 home runs in the five combined seasons before that. And like we talk about with Aquino, there is some uh, reporting that he made a specific change because of the way things are going with hitting nowadays, but that led to some of that. But, yeah, I think – I don't know. You know, I'm always in favor of keeping a Rule 5 guy on the team all year because I remember Tim Leana, a Rule 5 <laughs> sure. guy for the 90 Reds. So if the Reds keep one, maybe they'll win the series again. But Well, yeah, or he could become a future uh, multi-time uh, most valuable player like Josh Hamilton. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so, oh, Josh Hamilton. But you know, do you remember the last time the Reds had a sub five foot nine player from the University of Texas? I do remember, as a matter of fact, because I'm a published Reds historian. Ah, uh, Billy Bates. Yes, scored the winning run in Game Two of the ninety. Rival, a uh, rival, Billy Billy Bates is uh, Texas career. But now, why did Lou Pinella put Billy Bates in? Is what I want to know. I mean, where's Quinones? They couldn't find Quinones. <laughs> And if you don't understand that, really, just stop listening now you, and go look. Uh, go to YouTube and look that up. Come on. All right, let's talk about the rest of the winter meetings. Not that, the Reds did acquire that player, but they have struck out on a bunch of others. And, and I think, I'm afraid when we look back on the documentary of the Reds offseason, it's going to be entitled something like, um, The Reds Are Showing Interest In. That seems like that would be the title because Reds are reportedly shown as having interest in everybody but unable to seal the deal on anyone. And, uh, well, let's just go through the ones. That's out of order uh, of the way I was going to handle Let's go ahead and talk about the ones the Reds have struck out so far. His money, Grandall, we know about that. We've talked about here. Zach Wheeler, the Reds were hot and heavy on him. And uh, he signs with uh, the Phillies. Didi Gregorius, the Reds were supposedly hot and heavy with him. The Phillies. Uh, Tanner Roark, the Reds, former Red, and uh, the Reds uh, were at least uh, t having conversations with him, but he signed for two years, $24 million from Toronto. And then, of course, the guy that the Reds were never reported to show any interest on, unless you look at my Twitter feed, and that was Anthony Rendon, who signed with the Angels. So um, there's still some guys the Reds are showing interest in, but are, how concerned are you, if at all, about the Reds' inability to close the deal with any of these people they've been, quote-unquote, uh, interested in? It... it I, I can't get too upset about it. I mean, look, it, it takes two to make a deal. And, you know, until 
I'm glad they're in on it, right? I'm glad they're interested. They're trying. I think that's a, that's uh, that's good. I was never all that excited about the free agent crop this year. Uh, anyway, not that I'm like sour grapesing these guys, but um, you know, you do your be- you do your best. You make your best offer, and sometimes you get the guy, and sometimes you don't. Uh, I don't know. I, why do you think they're were you know hot and heavy after Zach Wheeler or or even interested in Tanner Roark? Good good players, no doubt, but starting pitching isn't really you know a weakness of this team. Yeah. I think I have a theory, but I want to know what you think. Well, I've got a theory, too, and I'm eager to hear what yours would be. Mine is just that I think the Reds really felt like they weren't going to be able to get an impact guy on the offensive side of the ball via free agency. So this was one way to spend some money was to get a, you know, you, you know, you got to prevent runs and you got to score runs. And so get uh, improving the rotation, you're going to, you know, Zach Wheeler over Tyler Malley or, or DeSclafani, whoever's going to be the number five guy, that's an improvement. So my feeling was they had some money to spend. And, you know, who was out there offensively? That was going to move the needle. They already missed on Grandall, and after him, who? I mean, who was really out there that was going to cost any kind of money? I think he had some money to burn, and uh, they felt like they weren't going to be able to get a hitter. What's your thoughts? I think that's right. Um, uh, you know, pitching's deeper this this winter than than offense. Um, Rendon just doesn't fit anywhere, especially after they did get Mustakas. So uh, I think that's it. And then I think the part I would add is you add Zach Wheeler to that rotation, and maybe you can trade away a really good pitcher for a really good hitter somewhere else. And we'll talk about that later. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you can create some depth there uh, with pitching, you know, it creates other options if they know that they're going to have to improve via trade in terms of getting uh, the the guy that, again, I've, I've said it over and over, but the guy that moves the needle, a really impact bat for the lineup. I mean, once once they missed on Grendel and, and Gregorius, there's some argument whether or not he was, I think he would have been uh, a, a significant improvement over what the Reds can expect from Freddie Galvis. But... Uh, once once those guys were kind of off the table, we'll talk about the other guys that are still interested in, but none of them, to me, really fit the, the bill in terms of somebody that really improves the offense substantially. Um, I, yeah, I, I think, and this is like a really crude way of saying it, the Reds need an, a guy who's a really good chance of becoming an all-star on the offensive side. Like, that's what they need to add. And I don't know if any of these other guys they're looking at are there and some of them aren't even close yeah no i don't think they are so if, if they decide have decided early on they're going to have to improve via trade and, and and this is why why i'll continue to say still early okay i'm not happy that the reds haven't been able to close the deal on anyone i'm not enjoying that but it's still really early and uh and you know tanner roark i mean I, he'd be nice to have i don't want him to give him two years and 24 million um so anyway, let's go to the Reds showing interest in All-Stars here. These are the players that are still out there that are the Reds have been reported by some actual... Um, sources say. Yeah, sources say. And let's begin with the the, the, the first two, really. Um, but we'll start with Marcel Ozuna. Um, and, and Ozuna is one that we've probably heard more about. Uh, Ken Rosenthal reported just today of The Athletic, just today, that the Reds are still, still engaged in uh, discussions with him. Uh, and we can talk about Marcelo Zuna. We've talked about him here on the podcast before, but are you as concerned as I am? And I'm not usually concerned about uh, overpaying because it's not my money, but I'm afraid the Reds are going to <laughs> – maybe this is just the old Reds that have me worried, but I'm afraid they're going to give him five or six years or something crazy uh, because they've struck out on these other ones they've been interested in. Maybe that's an irrational uh, fear at this point, but uh, I don't know. Marcelo Zuna, he's – I've tried to frame it as 
Marcelo Zuna is an upgrade. Marcelo Zuna helps the Reds. Let's not pretend that Marcelo Zuna is a star. You know, um, I think he's going to make the Reds better than, than who would be out there otherwise. But essentially, offensively, he's Jesse Winker. Now Jesse Winker is more durable and that can play against lefties and righties both. But offensively, that's that's what his production has been. Almost It's worse, actually, than what Jesse Winker's has been. So that's a fine player. That's a good player. I like Jesse Winker. But that's not, that's not the guy like you were talking about that has a potential to be, even though he's been an all-star twice, that's not a guy that you would expect starting his age 29 season to be that guy that really impacts the Reds lineup, right? We're all right. And, and aren't we always, isn't everybody upset that Jesse Winker isn't as good as, as he needs to be? Isn't that why we're looking for a new left fielder? Because Jesse Winker doesn't get it done. So, uh, yeah, I mean, Ozuna's fine. Like, I don't have any problem with him, and I don't really care what they want to pay him. I just, the, you know how this worked. If you pay him, he's going to start. Yeah. And if he signs a, a five-year, $78 million deal or whatever the heck it is, guess who's going to start in left field for the next three years at least? And if he's hitting at a, you know, a 105 OPS plus and playing abysmal defense, well, that ain't good. And he's been 107 and 106 the last two years since his big breakout yeah. year in 17. Yeah, you know who he reminds me of? Like, as a, if you want to go, like, Reds historian stuff. Uh, and I looked at the numbers, and they're they're really close, at least for the, the year the guy was in Cincinnati, at least on a, you know, adjusted for eras. Uh, you remember Juan Encarnacion? I do remember Juan Encarnacion. I mean, th- that's what you, that's what a okay to bad defense 106 OPS kind of from the right side looks like. And I, I mean, it's, it, you know, no, no real speed, no real defense, no real arm, not a, not a ton of power, not terrible, not a ton of OPS, not OPP, not terrible. Like that's what you're looking at. And I don't think anybody was like excited when Juan Encarnacion was on the team or, or when he left. Right. Yeah. I was pretty excited when he left. Um, yeah, I think the question is how you mix things up. Of course, uh, there could always be trades that uh, involve Winker, you know, but do you put Winker over into right field now and uh, platoon uh, Winker and Aquino, maybe? I think that's a better outfield than what we had. If, if you know, uh, I can live with that, but Ozuna really doesn't uh, doesn't do it for me. I, I don't mind having him. If the Reds get him, I'll be happy, and he's an improvement, but I don't know. Um, a lot of people prefer – go ahead. Well, I mean, here – again, this is – I think they need to improve and add an outfielder. Very clearly, I want to make that. That's my position. But is Ozuna much better than Phil Irvin? Oh, I think Phil Irvin gets exposed if he's if you play him too much. I think you spot him against left-handed pitchers, and that's about the best you're going to because he's not a good defensive, defensive. None of these guys are great defensively. I know Ozuna's won a gold glove, but he's, he's not uh, a great defensive player at this point. Maybe. I mean, do you want to take a chance on Phil Irvin? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't know if it's you're getting an upgrade here. I think they you, need to upgrade from Phil Irvin and probably Jesse, unless Jesse really starts hitting. But I don't think Ozuna is it. I think he's an upgrade over Irvin, but uh, you know that's not exactly. Uh, <laughs> Number you know. wise, they were almost exactly the same last year. Uh, yeah. Rates, rate stats. Well, you know what? That's why I don't mind a Winker Irvin platoon. I think that's a good left fielder. Well, that that's I guess that's what I'm saying. Would you rather have Winker Irvin, uh, Sinzel, and and uh, Aquino, 
Or would you rather have Ozuna, Sinzel, and Winker Aquino? I think I would rather have Winker Irvin in left, Sinzel in center, and right fielder to be traded for. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think uh, if you maybe up, upgrade right field, that's where they really need to upgrade, frankly. And I love Aquino. Aquino might be the guy, but I'm not willing to, to bet on that. That leads me to the next guy that the Reds have been uh, connected to, and I think it's it's interesting to to discuss him in comparison with Marcelo Zuna, and that's Nick Castellanos. Um, Castellanos, Castellanos, uh, you know, I don't know how to pronounce that. Castellanos. 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 Oh, uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Castellanos. Yeah, the Reds have to get him. I've just decided. Uh, That'd be fun to say. Uh, John Morosi of MLB Network reported again just today that the Rangers and the Reds seem to be the two teams that are most active in uh, Cast- Castellanos, uh, Castellanos, Castellanos um, pursuit. Now, I've gone back and forth on him. Sometimes I look at his uh, his numbers and I think, yeah, I can, you know, I can see that. Um, and other times I'm like, eh, is he that? Is he better than Ozuna? I think he may <laughs> yeah. be slightly better than Ozuna, but again, still they're the same same kind of ballpark, right? I I think so. I mean, I so I you know when the Reds were talking maybe possibly about being in the pennant race last year and looking for a, a deadline deal, this is one of the guys that I had my eye on. Yeah, and I thought uh, you know he's having a little bit of an off year in Detroit. It could, maybe you could get him fairly cheap. He's going to be a free agent. Uh, then the Cubs got him. And he went, he hit out of his mind for a few weeks. And uh, Bob Nightingale wrote a column that was one of the more ridiculous things written all last year about <laughs> I how remember it, yeah. all the stat guys were wrong about Castellanos and he's going to have the last laugh and a bunch of just, just, you know, ridiculous old, uh, old school type, you know, Using this poor player as a club to bang on Staten, right, I yeah. guess. But uh, that, that same fight from, ni- from 1999 or 2004. Yeah, yeah. Or something, I mean, it you felt know? like somebody was mad about Moneyball. <laughs> right. But uh, and then I look it up, and the guy's like three years older than we are. So I'm like, yeah, you know, that's not good. <laughs> okay, okay, Xer. But uh, uh, but you know, if you if you step back and put that aside, and and, and don't expect that he's gonna, you know. OPS a thousand like he did with the Cubs. I do think he's probably a little bit better hitter. Yeah. And he's, I think he's a couple of years younger than Ozuna, maybe a one year. I think one year younger. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think he's probably a better bet to, to go nuts in great American ballpark if they were able to get him. Yeah. Here on the podcast, I've been uh, notably uh, underwhelmed by him, but you know, the more I look at him, the more I think, well, in terms of free agents, I think that's probably the best one that's out there, and I, and and I could see him being the right fielder for the Reds. Again, that's the other thing: put him in right field. Let's platoon Winker and Irvin, or heck, maybe Aquino can learn to play left field. We'll platoon those two. I'm okay with that. Um, so you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm coming around, I guess I'll say. Yeah, I've been kind of back and forth, back and forth, and I don't know. Just today, I'm looking at his numbers, and I like him better than Azuna. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's where I've landed. Again, I don't think either of them are. Uh, huge impact bats. I don't think either of them are going to really, again, quote unquote, move the needle. But I think uh, they move the needle a little bit, and and I could be okay. I could be okay with that. I think there still needs to be another trade for another big time bat at some point. But I can live with that. And we'll talk about the trade possibilities in a moment. But I could live with Castellanos if they get someone else. They got to have someone else. It can't just be him. So, but uh, now the the interesting name to me, 
and neither of us know a lot about this guy, but I want to talk about him. Uh, we just know we, I've never seen him play. I presume you haven't. You probably have. You're you're a baseball guy, but uh, Sh- Shogo Akiyama. So you know the Reds notably have had no Japanese players ever. This guy is uh, he's been a center fielder in Japan. There's some question whether he can stick in center field. If he can play center field, it might be a uh, he'd be more valuable. You would think he's going to be 32 years old, but he's coming to America. And you look at his numbers, and uh, you know I'll let you discuss some of his numbers there. But and they look pretty good. He gets on base a lot. Uh, hasn't missed a game in five seasons, I think. But but the reports that came out were that he, that he was seeking a deal of two years in the neighborhood of ten million. And I'm like, well, well maybe, wait a minute, maybe that, you know, that's not much. Two two times five. Uh, I think so. I think so. What I, saw. I think uh, that's I think that's what I what I read. Yeah, Fr- Freddie Galvis money. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know. He's been a star in Japan. Uh, I mean, yeah. All I know, I I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what three twenty four hundred five thirty four, which was his slash line in two thousand eighteen. I don't know what that means in Japan, but I think it's probably pretty good anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You don't know how it translates to uh, Major League Baseball, but it's gonna. You know, he's gonna. He has some skills that will translate clearly. Um, and the Reds I, again. The reason I mention him is that the only ones we're mentioned here are the ones that the Reds have specifically been reported to be have been in contact with. So uh, I, I think if this guy can play center field, maybe move Nixon's L to right field. Now, now we're talking. What about th- what about this? Put him in center field, trade for a right fielder, move Nixon's L to shortstop. Sold. <laughs> Bring it on, man. So I don't know. Uh, when I see that he's seeking that little amount of money, I wonder if there's a typo somewhere because. I don't know. It seems like he could make more than that in the current state of the game. So I don't know. All right. Two other guys that the Reds have been connected with that uh, I guess we need to talk about and, you know, uh, dispense with uh, one of them at least pretty quickly. First of all, Cole Calhoun. Cole Calhoun. (laughs) Cole Calhoun. I know he's a good player and probably a very nice person, but all I can think about is that old Simpsons. Uh, episode where Mr. Burns keeps referring to that that the the man who keeps standing on two legs and walking around all the time, and Smithers <laughs> correctly identifies it as Rory Calhoun, an old Western actor. <laughs> there you go. John Morosi of MLB Network did, has reported the Reds are interested, and in, I can't really figure out why. I mean, I know he hit uh, 33 home runs last year for the Angels, but 232 average, 325 on base. Uh, you know, um. He had it was a it was a good year. He struck out 162 times, but in in he's 32, and in 2017 and 18, he had OPS pluses of 96 and 79, and even last year, which was supposed to be such a great year, it was just a 108. And I guess he's going to be, I guess he's yeah. going to be 33 this year. I mean, I don't get it. I mean, I this it's it's like kind of like older. Worst version of Mustakas who can't play the infield. Yeah, it just makes makes a little sense. I don't. It could be I a mean, situation where the Reds. When just, you've already got Mark Payton, what do you need Cole Calhoun? <laughs> exactly. Well, I'll tell you why. You've already you've already noted it because Calhoun, we can confirm, always stands up on his hind legs and walks around. <laughs> so, the other one was uh, Craig Stammen. Morosi reported that as well. Craig Stammen, of course, a relief pitcher, 
and uh, he will be 36 next year. I've uh, been with the Padres the last three years, was with the Nationals before that, but has been a fairly, he's one of the few guys that's had a, a career of more than uh, one or two years that's been a pretty consistently effective reliever. Uh, you know. Man, he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Five career saves, but he's been pretty good just about every year of his career. I mean, it's really kind of astounding, and, and including last year where he uh, 3.29 yeah. ERA. Yeah, once they got him to the bullpen, he's been really good. Right, right, right. Yeah. He was a pretty lousy starter. Yeah, his first two years in the league, he really struggled. He moved, transitioned to the bullpen, and he's been, you know, uh, I wouldn't say lights out, but he's been very effective, uh, literally, ever since. So uh, I'm okay with that, right? Yeah, you got a, he's a former, you know, maybe they've got a shot. He's a he's a he's a Ohio guy. He's from like kind of farm country in Northwest Ohio. He's a University of Dayton uh, alum. Or I don't know if he graduated, but he played at UD for a couple of years. So maybe he's got, uh, maybe he's got some interest in coming back home and and pull, yeah, maybe he's a Reds fan. I don't know. He he's never had a big payday. I mean, obviously he's made a lot of money by by our standards, but uh, I don't think he's in line for a you know three three year twenty five million dollar deal. I don't I don't think relievers are getting those anymore. Even though the kind of the spending spigot has been turned back on, I don't know that it's going to extend to good but not Hall of Fame relievers. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy that's going to be 36 next year, so I would never advocate signing a 36-year-old reliever. But in this case, I don't know. seems like a pretty good uh, pretty good bet to be decent, and uh, you, know, you always need effective relievers. It ain't my money. It ain't my money. Can so, I share really quickly one reason that I want Craig Stammen to uh, join the Reds? I wish you would, yes. A baseball reference list, six. Count them six separate nicknames for Craig Stammen. Surely not. Can you can you advise us of what these nicknames may be? Well, a couple of them are, are kind of you know your normal baseball lame new like Stam and Stammer, uh, Craiger. Baseball, yeah, yeah. It's Come on, Craiger. Yep. But he also goes by Craigeroo. Apparently. Ooh. And, and then uh, Trig and Trigger, which I don't know what that's about, but uh, Craigeroo. Uh, would probably up there, especially if it goes on the on his players' weekend jersey. Oh man, Craigaroo, please! I agree. The Reds should sign him for no other reason than Craigaroo. So I don't know. You know, I, I'm 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 intrigued. I don't think uh, that's a huge deal. But the Reds need always need, need relievers, and I'm okay with that. Those are the names. I don't think I, there's none, no others that I can think of that I've seen on the free agent market. The Reds have been confirmed as having interest in or discussing with the fact of the matter is the Reds have not sealed to deal with any of these either just yet. But, uh, but I'm interested in everyone other than Cole Calhoun in some, you know? Yeah. I'm, I, excuse me. I'm, I'm being told that Craig Stammen's six nicknames is the most in baseball. Wow. So we're talking elite here. League leader. Oh, wow. Black ink. Go get him. Dick Williams. Okay, so now we've hinted, hinted at uh, the question of trade targets this whole time because at this point there are no impact bats really out there. Are there? I mean, is there anyone that, I mean, the Reds didn't even try after Rendon as far as I can tell, and he was really the only impact bat left at the end of uh, the, the winter meetings. There's no one else on the free agent market that's an impact bat. So uh, the Reds really have to make a trade, don't they? I think that's the only way they're going to get – the guys they want because other if they don't make a trade their plan becomes hope 
and that's their only plan. Oh man, you're gonna you're you're provoking me to say what I always say: hope is not a strategy. And you're right; you're having to hope that uh, Aquino is something, and you have to hope that uh, Winker stays healthy, and you have to hope that Freddie Galvis. I, I'm not sure what you're hoping for out of Freddie Galvis. <laughs> you're hoping Joey Votto. I mean, you really right. You have to hope that Joey Votto returns to uh, to form. I mean, you've yeah. got a lot of questions. At which positions do you not really have questions about? You've got really second base. I think Mustakas is probably going to be uh, Mustakas. And third base, are there any other positions that you wouldn't have questions about that you're not no. hoping about? And that's scary to me if you're thinking you're going to be a competitive team. Agree. So, now, I mean, uh, a, a lot of things I, I fully expect. Um, Joey Votto at least is not going to drop off the, the planet. Um, Nick Senzel, I fully expect he's going to be better. You know, I think uh, Winker and Urban, that's a good platoon out there. But still, you know, you're uh, and a catcher. The Reds are, you know, they're probably fine. But uh, that's a lot of a lot of hope. So uh, something came up this week, and this is extremely interesting to me. Ken Rosenthal, again, of The Athletic, reported that the Astros are considering trading their superstar shortstop, Carlos Correa. Correa is uh, interesting to me, of course, because he is um, he's young. He is uh, going to be 25 next season. He is good. Very, very, very good. Uh, you know, career, let's look at his career. Uh, what we got here? OPS plus 129, 277 average, 356 on base. I mean, he's got pop. He's, uh, you know, I mean, just he's Carlos Correa. He's really good. Um, he's under contract for uh, at least a couple. He's under team control for a couple more seasons. Well, through 2022, it looks like. So, um, or through 2021. So that's two more years. And then he can be a free agent, I guess. Or no, three more years. Yeah. So, um Carlos Correa. Now, I don't know if he's actually available or if the Astros are just floating that, and, and, and there's a lot of moving parts there. But that's a guy. That's a, that's that's the impact bat we're talking about. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. I mean, this guy is really, really – he's the real deal, man. I mean, he had 16 wins above replacement before he was – before his 23 age 23 season. I don't know. I don't know who's done that, and I'm trying to find that out right now. Do as we I talk to you? Do we worry that he has missed significant time with injury in each of the last three seasons? Seventy-five games last I, year, 110 the year before, 109 the year before. Let me tell you about another shortstop, Chad, who missed significant <laughs> time to injury. His name, Onyx Concepcion. No, Barry Larkin. <laughs> I remember Barry Larkin. He did yeah, miss Barry some time. Larkin, he missed a lot of time. You could miss some time if you know if you play 110 games and you're the best shortstop in the league in those 110 games. Eh, Freddie Gallus can play the other 50. Yeah, I mean, look, the the wins above replacement count, even if you don't take that many games to get them, right? Yeah, I mean, you look at 2017 when he was 22 years old. He only played 109 games. 6.1 wins above replacement. Well, so I I just searched. And how many players, there are 21 players in Major League history who had over 16 baseball reference wins per, above replacement before they turned 23. Or before their, yeah, before their tw- age 23 season, anyway. Uh, Correa's, you know, the last one, because I drew the line below him. But 
he did that in 50, 56 fewer games than anybody else on the list. So I mean, we're talking about a game changer. But we've been we've been drooling over Francisco Lindor and kind of dreaming. But this is this is a similar type guy you plug in the middle of the lineup. For the yeah, I mean, this is until so I saw this what last night I was I, that blew my mind that they could that they've been considering trading him. I still don't understand it. I don't either. But um, if they want to do that, let's do it. Yeah, yeah, and, and give up. Now the other question I wanted to ask you, and I think this may be one of our viewer mail questions uh, for a moment from now, but do you consider Luis Castillo in that? Mm-hmm. In that yes, trade? I do. Man. My head I love says, him. I love him. Love him. My head says yes. You're absolutely right. I think the numbers bear that out. Man, a young, controllable potential ace like Castillo, though, I have a real problem wrapping my brain around moving him. I get it. I get it. But you're going to get a young, controllable, all-star MVP candidate I think in return. Yeah, I think that's what, you, what, what it comes down to is that he is likely to provide more wins above replacement than Luis Castillo will. And as much as I hate to you know, do that, yeah. like you're improving the team. Yeah. Well, and, and look, I, wins above replacement is is the right metric, but it's not exactly applicable to what we were looking at, right? You're right. No, because it's right. not. It's wins above Galvis versus wins above, I don't know, Mally or Mally, yeah, maybe, or you know, whoever's next up. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't know that that makes it what that really looks like either, but I. As much as I love Castillo and as much as I love the fact that the Reds have homegrown pitching for the first time ever, um, not kind of homegrown, right? right. Uh, yeah, you got to make that deal. I mean, Correa's injury prone-ish, but every pitcher is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I just, I think you're probably right. I don't want to do it. I don't, mm. I'm still not willing to say. Kyle Bodie is going to grow these pitchers on trees. <laughs> That's what we hear. So uh, another guy that, uh, well, first of all, Correa has, the Dodgers have been mentioned to be inter- interested in him. So I'd be interested to see if they would be willing to deal Corey Seager, maybe if they acquire Correa, that also helps with the Reds. But uh, Mookie Betts is obviously on the trade block for the, uh, from the Boston Red Sox. And he's just got one year remaining, but he's a guy that in that one year, you talk about moving the needle. Now, I'm not sure anybody moves the needle more than Mookie Betts would. Uh, I'm of the opinion that he may not uh, require as much in terms of assets in return. Because we're just talking one year, and the Red Sox are motivated to, to cut payroll. Uh, and we're going to talk more about another Red Sox in a moment. But uh, what do you think about Mookie Betts? Still on the table, I think. <laughs> he's he's awfully short, Chad. Um, but I think as... Uh... As we've seen from Mark Payton, short players can be really good. Uh, no, man, you got to take bets if you can get him. It's just the the things I've seen discussed are probably excessive for a guy who's going to play one year. Yeah. Two years of Correa versus one year of bets. That's a big deal. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, uh, two years is also twice as much time to try to talk Correa into signing a contract. Right. Past, uh, yeah, I, I, it depends on what you have to give up, whatever. Those are two guys, though. Those may be the only two guys that we have hope of. Uh, maybe there's somebody else that we don't know because, again, when we talk about trade talks, everyone is potentially a trade partner and every player is potentially uh, an acquisition. But those are two guys that would absolutely move the needle. There we go. I said it. I've been trying to stop saying that so much, but there you go. So now there were some, some talk today, some rumors about a different uh, Boston player 
that the Reds may be, uh, well, the reports are the Reds are interested in looking to deal. And it really kind of surprised me. It came out of nowhere. Mark Feinsand of MLB.com reported that the Reds and uh, Red Sox have discussed a David Price trade. Now, David Price has had a great career, uh, but he still owed uh, three years and $96 million on that contract. So, And he'll be 34 years old this season. So, Well, I mean, this is clearly uh, uh, Brian Johnson, Sonny Gray, Car- uh, Kirk Asali. Yes, the Vanderbilt getting the, connection. Getting the band back together kind of a deal, right? Mm-hmm. I guess he's probably a few years older than those guys. But, uh, you know, he did play for Brian Johnson at Vandy. And, uh, you know, I, I was surprised at how not bad, in my mind, David Price has been terrible. Right, yeah, but I looked at it, too. I had the same reaction. I was like, he's fine. Yeah. He's been good. He's probably yeah, I mean, the number three starter here, but he's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, he's, yeah, he's he's fine. Now, obviously, you got to do something about all that money and and how... That is supposed to even out. I'm guessing that the deal is that Boston just needs to get under the luxury tax, right? They don't care about spending the money. They just don't want to spend the penalties. Right. So they will they will send back as much money with that as it takes to, you know, to get it under so, the tax, you would hope. Yeah. So sending the, giving the Reds cash doesn't hurt their luxury tax thing, I don't think. Right. It's just they can't pay it directly to David Price anymore. So, you know, if the Reds want to trade Brian O'Grady or something like that for – I don't think they have Brian O'Grady they anymore. They don't know, but they could trade him anyway. Just get him it. back. <laughs> Give it a shot. I mean, we're talking about a, a bag of magic beans here anyway. Uh, you know, fine, sure. It's just money. It ain't mine. So there's been some discussion, and there's two things I want to discuss with respect to the price deal. And the first is that there's been some discussion that maybe in order to take back that money for the Reds, that the the Red Sox would be inclined to include someone else of more value. And we saw a trade recently where they include Zach Cozart as the contract that was traded away in exchange for someone of some value. So uh, the, the name that's been floated around, obviously, is Andrew Benintendi, and I don't see that happening. But... Um, yeah, take that too. Oh gosh, can you, guy. can you imagine? Is is he from Middletown? Uh, he, man, he <laughs> he's from Madeira, which uh, that's Tom's side of town. Oh so no, he's never gonna let it go then. So you know, um, yeah, if if you can do that, good. The other thing that I wanted to mention with respect to a potential David Price acquisition, obviously it depends on the the money, but if the Reds made that deal probably means the Red Sox are less inclined to move somebody like Betts. You know, I mean, uh, the whole yeah, re- yeah, yeah. reason to move Betts is to clear money, and here you're clearing some money. So I really want Mookie Betts. But eh, David Price for three years? I don't know. If you want to, yeah, if you want Betts and Benatendi and it's just going to cost cash, just okay. Well, if you could get Benatendi in that, absolutely 100%. I mean, I think that's a absolute no question, no-brainer. I don't know that Benintendi will be available. So, Anyway, uh, the other guy that's been uh, mentioned, and I don't know if the Reds have actually been specifically mentioned as being interested in him, but he has been mentioned to be on the trade market. And we've talked about it on the podcast a little bit. I wanted to get your your thoughts on him. And starting Marte, um, Pirates are trading him, or have talked about trading him. They want a young, controllable catcher, is what they've uh, said. And Tucker Barnhart signed to a long-term deal. <laughs> that's right, and cheap. Controlled. 
Yes. Uh, I'm not sure that's the young, controllable catcher that uh, they might have in mind if the Reds They didn't say good. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Tucker's good. Tucker's good. He's just not. He's good. He's a good Yeah, he's good. He's a very good major league player. Yeah, I've got no problem with Tucker Barnhart. Um, Marte is uh, two years on his deal. We're really uh, one year plus a team option. Pretty reasonable. $11.5 million this year. Twelve and a half is the option. Just turned 31. I love his numbers. I think he... Um, again, he maybe he may be. I think he's slightly ahead of like a Ozuna. He's not a superstar, but he I think he helps the team more than like an Ozuna does. Um, but do you want to give up Tyler Stevenson for him? Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know what I don't I don't know Tyler Stevenson. I don't know what he does for a living. I don't know how he makes his money. <laughs> okay, there's your answer. That? Did you catch that one? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, that's a Godfather Two uh, reference. Really? I don't know this Merle. I don't know how he makes his money. <laughs> I'm l- really upset with myself that I didn't. Pick it wasn't. Up on it that. wasn't as as clean as it could have been. Oh, no, I don't. I don't. I just don't know Tyler Stevenson. Is he? Is he really gonna be awesome? <laughs> you know, that's the question. It's why I'm never hesitant to trade prospects because a lot of them don't pan out, and I like to get somebody that we know what's going to happen, but. Uh, but I'm afraid with the Reds, they have no other options at catcher in the near future because they've struck out on JT Realmuto last year. They didn't get his money grand all this year. Stevenson, I think, should probably probably be in the big leagues this year. We'll, we'll see if he actually is. He's that close, and I think he's that talented. I think he's I think he's a potential All Star at catcher. But you know, he's still he's not played above Double A yet, and. Marte, we know, is a he's a known commodity. He gives us a little bit more security. I, I don't know. You can I can go either way with that. I I probably don't want to trade Stevenson. I'm a big fan of Marte, though. I really like him. I mean, he's he's uh, he. You know, I know it's not popular anymore, but he's he's he runs really well. Uh, he can steal bases. He plays good defense, and he you know he, he gets on base. I, I just like him. I, I yeah. think he's a good player, even though he's a pirate. Well, I think it's all. I'm going to give all the pirates a clean slate now that uh, Mr. Mr. Mad yeah, is gone. Yeah. So I, I, I've said no to Tyler Stevenson in a deal for Marte, but I could be talked into it. I could be talked into it because I, I'm the same. I like Marte, and I like him better than uh, any of the other guys that have been mentioned as an outfield option, frankly. So anyway, that's that's that. I mean, who else can the, are the, are the Reds going to trade for Mike Trout? I guess that's the next question. I think they're good. I think I think that I think the Angels might stick with him for a while. I don't know. You think you could work a deal that the, in order to help the Angels clear some cap space, some luxury tax space, that you could trade for Trout and Rendon? <laughs> Maybe. I, don't know. I think I think you'd be much more likely to get Albert Pujols. <laughs> probably, probably. All right. Last uh, news of note this week: Jose Peraza, our old friend, signed with the Red Sox for a deal close to three million dollars. So uh, do you have any thoughts about Jose Peraza signing with the Boston Red Sox? Good for him. I wish him well. And yes. uh, the good news is we're talking about the Red Sox trying to dump salary. Uh, this means that Xander Bogarts, their uh, shortstop of the Red Sox, is expendable. Right, because they've got a, they've got a shortstop now. Yeah, Rafael Devers, maybe we can get him. And they, <laughs> Peraza can play anywhere. I don't know what their plan is yet. All right. Uh, good uh, again. Good luck to Peraza. That's a guy that uh, you know the Reds had made the right decision on him, but that's a guy that never did anything other than play hard for the Reds. And uh, you know, I'm I'm always going to be a fan of Jose Peraza. 
All right, we we have gone longer than I expected, so we may have to to rush through some of these viewer mail questions. But I, we did get a bunch of uh, viewer mail questions. I wanted to try to get to some of them at least. Speed round. Speed is that right? Right, the speed round. Now these are questions have been submitted through from our supporters at patreon.com slash radio. You can go there to support the uh, podcast. And I, I do want to mention, uh, we've had some new subscribers lately. For as little as $2 a month, you can get access to our Slack channel. If you don't know what Slack is, uh, go look it up. But it, it's basically, we talk about the baseball's a private uh, private messaging app. And it's been really fun lately. A lot of a lot of activity in that. So if that's something interesting to talking to all of us, um, go to patreon.com slash redlegradio. Check that out. Now, first question. Joe Farsing asks, What's the most disappointing Reds team in memory? I'm going to give my answer, and I'll let you give yours. The most disappointing Reds team in memory? 2020 Reds. That's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm afraid of. I don't know how your memory works. (laughs) I don't understand what that word means. Let me go look that up. Uh, I think it's, uh, was it 2006? The Austin Kearns, Adam Dunn Reds? The the Majeski trade. Yep. That one really bummed me out. That was a bummer. That that whole year. That was a year that it seems like that whole decade the Reds we thought, oh, this lineup is great. Get some pitching, we'll be okay. And it never really never really panned out. Um for me, probably I would say, and this is strange to say, I want to say 2012 because I do feel like that was the best team in baseball that year. And it was disappointing in the sense that they didn't even get past the first round and lost in brutal fashion. Uh, 2013, the same same way, that was a good team, but man, that just felt like a that felt like a disaster of a season, even though they made the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. You know, there's been a lot of disappointing Reds teams. I don't know that I can distinguish between them. So... Let's go to the next question. Patreon.com slash Red Radio. Andrew Scott Wills, we've already answered your question, really, but I want to go ahead and uh, say I'm hearing rumors the Reds are kicking the tires of 35-year-old David Price. I'll just give your comment on this. Uh, just because you can't afford it doesn't mean it's a good move. So we've already kind of discussed that. I, I can talk myself into it. Um, as I mean, the Reds aren't going to be paying that entire amount, I guess, is the, is the presupposition there. Uh, Cameron Dickens asks, now Cameron Dickens, was he a... Was he a, a writer? I think so. I think so. Um, since Chad's dreams of Anthony Rendon in Cincinnati, and I've been really dreaming about Rendon for a while. I'm really upset the Reds didn't actually get in on that. Since that, those dreams are over and the Reds missed out on other rumored free agent targets, D.D. Gregorius and Yasmani Grandal, what free agent bats left on the market, if any, would get you excited about the improvement of the offense for 2020 in addition to signing Moustakas. Now, Nathan Connor has a similar question. I think the Reds still need that one big boost offensively that may require trade. There's several ways of going about it. What's the ideal mix? Sign a pitcher, trade an existing pitcher outfit for a position player. A lot of new names have emerged as trade candidates this week. Of the new names, which ones intrigues you most? We've really kind of answered all that, haven't we? I think so. We tried yeah, to. Yeah, I think so. Uh, of the new names, though, of the names on the trade market, which one intrigues you the most? We agree it's Carlos Correa, right? Yep. Okay. Woo the Reds. What's your opinion on the woo at Great American Ballpark? I have come around on this after a long uh, period of thought and contemplation, and I am now anti-woo. Oh. Not strongly, but if you ask, that's what I'll tell you. I love the woo. I don't love our contributor, woo, or our patron, woo the Reds, but I love the woo at the ballpark. 
Woo the Reds is irritating because for a long time, every tweet of his was UMBC this and UMBC that. Come on, Woo, what's that all about? Um, as players, what order would you rank Castellanos, Ozuna, and Puig? We haven't talked about Yasiel Puig much. Does that differ in terms or have how you would rank him for the Reds to sign one as a free agent? And if so, why? So what order would you rank those three? Castellanos, Nick Castellanos, Marcelo Ozuna, Yasiel Puig, and... Uh, in terms of players and as terms of who you want the Reds to acquire the most. It's pretty much the same for me. I think I probably I probably rank them Castellanos, Puig, Ozuna. How, how would you what order would you put them in? I think Ozuna's probably a little bit better hitter than Puig is at this point. But I really but, like, I like, uh, I like Puig. Puig a lot. Yeah, yeah. so I'm I'll do I'll go with yours. Yeah, he he's just likable. I like sure. that guy. But have you been surprised? I've been a little surprised that we've not heard more talk about Puig on the free agent market. I mean, there's not been rumors I, about him with anyone, not just the Reds. You haven't heard anything, no. How's that possible? He's still relatively young, and, you know, I mean, he didn't have a great season this year, but he's still Yasiel Puig. He's our friend. He is. I don't know. He changed his agents, uh, well, I guess it's been a, a couple years ago, but I don't know if they've got some some different approach or what. I don't, I don't know. know. Woo the Reds asks a second question. He's abusing his privileges at Patreon. Uh, Woo the Reds asks this question. With good teams looking to move talent to avoid the luxury tax, I'm looking at you, Boston Red Sox, do you think that young, controlled MLB players are now a bigger trade chip than most prospects? Molly, Winker, and Aquino all have four years of control left. Which, if any, do you think are likely to be traded away before the season starts to address the needs of the team? Would you include Sinzel as a movable player? Or does that create more problems than it solves? All right, here's what I would say. That's a really interesting premise. You know, prospects have been the uh, asset in baseball for so many years. And maybe young, controlled MLB players are a bigger trade chip because there's less risk involved. There's a, there's a higher floor on those if, if there's a lower ceiling. Um, I would think that Tyler Malley and Jesse Winker, Aquino I don't know yet. I would think Malley and Winker would have some value to the right organization. Winker can hit. He absolutely can hit right-handed pitching. Uh, you know, not at an elite level, but at a well above average level. So um, I could see any of those three being traded, to be honest with you, before the season started. Um, would I include Sinzel as a movable player? No player's untouchable, but I just don't see why you would trade Sinzel. He has position flexibility, and he's an elite prospect, has been an elite prospect, there are some reasons why maybe his rookie year didn't go as we uh, thought it would go. I'm going to have more on that coming soon. So anyway, that's kind of my answer. Uh, what do you think about the young, controllable players and uh, Mally Winker and Aquino, Chris? Uh, you know, the thing about Winker, I Winker reminds me, I think, of a guy that played a, a, around this point like 20 years ago, Ryan Klesko. To a degree, it's not the same profile of player, but Klesko never really learned to hit left-handers. I mean, he had like a 220-point OPS gap between left-handers and right-handers. But, and you know, Ryan Klesko was came up, and you thought he was going to be a big star, and he, his inability to hit lefties limited his career. But the guy still put up a 16-year career, yeah, with 1,500 hits and almost 300 home runs. So. 
don't write Jesse Winker off because the dude can hit. Klesko ended up with a 370 on base, and that was in a certain era of baseball. But Winker, Winker's legit can hit. I, I don't I, – anybody's tradable for me, but I don't know. I, I think we're selling Jesse Winker short. Yeah, I want Winker on this team, to be honest. I mean, I, I would trade him, obviously, but – but uh, that Klesko comparison, that's inter- it's imperfect in some ways, but it's amazingly accurate in other ways. Uh, Winker is a legit, like, not really a stud, but just below a stud hitter against right-handed pitching. And most of the pitchers are right-handed. Yeah, that's the thing I think everybody's got to get their head around, is, is that most of the pitchers are right-handed. You can give them a day off against tough lefties and maybe pull him late in the game for a pinch hitter, but he's still going to get, you know, 500 at bats. And he's helping your team in those at bats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, Rich Thompson goes off topic. Rich likes to go off topic. Um, Rich Thompson asks, okay, I have the budget to do one of these three trip options this year. So here's the three options. He wants us to give him uh, some advice. And again, with our viewer mail questions, they can be about the res. They don't have to be. We need to dismiss with this quickly because we, we're, we're running out of time here. A, go to Belgium. Rich is a big biker, by the way. Bicycles? Yes, yes, yes. He, he's a big, he's a big, probably the biggest and best uh, cyclist uh, of, among our fans of Red Lake Nation Radio. A, go to Belgium and ride the Citizens Ride of the Tour de Flanders. Ned Flanders, I'm sure. B, Go to Billings, Montana to see the Billings Mustangs play a three to four game series, or C, go to Italy, watch some of the stages of the Hero Italia, and ride some of the same course roads that are being raced on. What do you recommend? So I'll, <laughs> I'll answer this first. Uh, Rich, I love you, buddy. Uh, you always come up with a good question every week. Um, I would say C, go to Italy. Uh, I wouldn't ride bikes there if, I, if it were me, but. I had the opportunity to go to Italy last year and absolutely was blown away by it. So that's that's what I would say. Uh, Billings must Billings Montana would be my uh, I, you know thanks for the Billings Mustangs to being loyal members of the Reds organization for years, but that would be on the probably on the bottom of my list of these three choices: Belgium, Italy, or Montana. What do you think? Uh, you know I'm a big sky country kind of guy. I uh, are you? I, yeah, I've never been to Montana, but I, uh, I'd like to go. I, yeah, I, and I don't know that Billings is like the most picturesque part of the state, but um, if it any of it is is the alternative to riding a whole bunch of miles on a bike, I'm going to go to Montana. <laughs> That's actually true. That's the one choice where you don't have to ride a bunch of miles on a bike. Yeah, it, can I can I walk or ride a vehicle? <laughs> right. Then that's where I'll go. But they all sound pretty awesome. Yeah, they do. They all sound great. You have a great time in all of them. But uh, go to Italy, Rich. Nathan Sturworth asks, I want to be excited about the Moustakas signing, but I feel like at best he will perform similar to the 2017 and 2018 version of Scooter, Scooter Jeanette, both offensively and defensively with more home runs and lower on-base percentage. Uh, are there reasons to be more optimistic? That's really an interesting interesting point. The Reds are paying a lot more now for Scooter Jeanette, right? Is that the fair way to assess it? I, I think I tweeted something like that the other night. That's I mean, why I'm I asking think, you. Yeah, you absolutely yeah. said that. Yeah, that's how it feels to me. I mean, for a few years there, and at least for a few weeks with Derek Dietrich, it felt like the Reds kept getting, you know, 900 OPS from second baseman for nothing. But uh, 
you know, look, this is one of those things where you get a guy. Yeah, maybe there's some free talent who's going to be as good as Moustakas or even maybe better. But you have the money. You want to get some certainty around what you're going to get from that position. So you pay for it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're, it's hope, right? Josh Van Meter. Heck, Josh Van Meter could be better than Mike Moustakas. Right, but that's hope. It's possible. But you have no confidence that's going to be the case. So spend the money to get yourself some more certainty. And, and you know, we're talking about uh, the, the Regis pay a lot to get what they had in Scooter. Okay, well, yes, but Scooter was pretty good during those years. I mean, you know, he was, you know, let's not uh, discount what Scooter Jeanette provided for the Yeah, Reds. he yes, was, was cheap, pretty good but, enough. Yes, yeah, if we had a guy like that in the organization, I'm probably okay with it. I think I would trust Moustakas. I'm a little more confident in Moustakas than I would be in re-signing Scooter Jeanette. But, yeah, yes, but I'm okay with that production. Hooper Powell. Hooper. Has, you know Hooper. You met Hooper in Columbus uh, when we were yeah. signing books that day. Seeing that the Reds are all about the driveline philosophy, that's Kyle Bodie's driveline baseball, would they be interested in taking a flyer on Dan Straley, who has done work at driveline? My opinion, Hooper, is that Dan Straley has already performed the greatest service he ever will perform for the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> Which is... He brought Luis Castillo into the organization in trade. So Yeah, good job, Dan. Uh, my opinion on that is if Kyle Bodie and, and Derek Johnson think that they can help a guy and he'll help the Reds, they know more than I do. So uh, specific names, I trust those guys when it comes to that. So, yeah, I don't know. Dan's I mean, true. look, yeah. It's everybody now goes to driveline, right? I mean, right. that's where you it's go. It's the place, yeah. When you're, uh, you know, when you want to be better, Dan Straley has been going to driveline since 2015. So I think driveline has given Dan Straley like, yeah, and he, Kyle Bodie, like they, they're the ones who got him back to pitching in the first place after he was hurt in 2015. He's still going to be Dan Straley. He's not going to improve. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they've done their 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 Dan Straley's had his improvement and his spike and his driveline bump. So uh, I don't think that the fact that he's still going there is going to, you know, continue to pay any extra dividends. I don't think you and I have talked about this, Chris, but um, are you as excited as I am that the Reds actually hired Kyle Bodie of Driveline Baseball? It's amazing to me. It, uh, it's it's incredible. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We're you I, know, we're we're kind of not upset but underwhelmed by the winter meetings and what the Reds have done this offseason. But man, that's as big a deal. That's way bigger than the Mustaka deal, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's just one of those things where it feels like the kind of thing we'd be sitting around and be like, you know what they should do? They should go <laughs> out and get Kyle Bodie, hire him away from driveline, and make him run the whole program. You know, yeah. and like and apparently Dick Williams was having the same conversation. All right. Yeah, it's it's amazing to me, and that may not show any kind of results for for a while now, but it's fantastic. So, all right, a couple real quickly. Joe Farsing again is, and this is an important question, Chris, and I really need to know your answer before I answer. Is it possible to remain friends with someone who doesn't like the Princess Bride? Uh, yeah, I think so. You know, I I like the Princess Bride. I don't think it's perfect. Well, it's not perfect, but I love the Princess Bride. It's fun. 
But here's my answer to that question, and it's uh, <laughs> everyone needs to listen clearly. It is possible to remain friends with anyone, regardless of what they believe about anything. Almost. But uh, I'm afraid that's something we've lost in America these days. Yes, it is possible. You don't have to agree with everyone all the time. But I know Joe's making a comment about how great the Princess Bride is, and I think it's pretty darn good. Nothing else to say about the Princess Bride? No, I'm good. All right, Nathan Connor, last one. If the sequence of moves involves the Reds trading away someone currently penciled into the rotation, rank the members in order of most willing and least willing to trade. Obviously, this factors in things like years of control and the value getting return. No disco for bets scenarios here. So say that again. Which of the red starters would I be willing to trade? In order of most willing and least willing to trade. And okay. I'm assuming I'm getting something like equal value for whatever yeah. the guy is, I, whatever. And so I'm not sure I can answer that. Because if you're going to trade Luis Castillo and get a superstar, I'm probably okay with that. I'm not, you know, I understand your question, Nathan, and it's interesting to think about. Uh, the ones I'm most willing to trade are the worst of the ones that are penciled in because, you know. Well, why don't we do this a little bit different on this? Why don't we say which of these guys we think has the highest trade value? Well, I think Castillo has the highest trade value, right? I think Castillo and then probably Sonny Gray. Yeah. Um, I think I, – I wonder about Trevor Bauer because I would trade him in a heartbeat. But I'm not sure where his value is out there. Well, I think Bowers might be the lowest only only because he's on his, you know, this is the last year of his contract. Right. Right. So that, you know, nothing against Trevor Bauer. I, I wasn't excited by the numbers he put up with the Reds, but I don't think that's his value is only because he has one year under control. Yeah. Yeah. And he ain't cheap at that. He's actually probably my most willing to trade, uh, frankly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not enthused about trading Castillo or Gray. Those are two that we've got for the next uh, three years, at least, and are good, really good. The rest of them, I could trade. And, frankly, I could trade Castillo or Gray as well in the right deal. So. All right. Any final thoughts about the winter meetings, Chris Garber? I wish I was in San Diego. You used to be in San Diego. I did. You know, when I saw some of the, the writers uh, soliciting on Twitter, for, should I go to this restaurant or that restaurant? And uh, somebody replied, oh, go to, you know, B, that's a, that's, a, that's a San Diego institution. And I'd never heard of either one of them. Oh, no. It's been a while. Thought, it's been 12 years. That long. And it's um, done. I have no idea what's cool anymore. You know. I don't know what's cool here where I have lived for 12 <laughs> years either. So it's, it's funny. Me. There's been one person in history who moved from Miami to Cleveland. That's LeBron James. <laughs> and there's been one person in history who moved from San Diego to Columbus. That's pretty close. Yeah, that's Chris Garber. <laughs> oh, well. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 300. Guys, I cannot believe that we've done 300 episodes of this thing. And I thank you so much for continuing to listen, continuing to talk about us. Uh, the numbers get better every week, and that's because you guys are talking about us, telling your friends, keep doing that. Uh, as I say, if you like us, talk about us. If you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Uh, subscribe. You know, anywhere you find podcasts, we're there. Subscribe to us. Leave a rating, review, whatever. 
You can find us at patreon.com slash redlegradio. If you want to support us a little bit more closely and, and kind of get into the inner circle a little bit, you can do that as well. Uh, Chris, anything else before we finish up here? I'll give you the last word. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> he, he's disinclined to accept the last word. For Chris Garber and Arlie Latham, this is Chad Dotson saying, so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.